Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in the seed. The story of Good Shepherd includes many people, but really it's the Lord's story. In June of 1978, Good Shepherd started meeting in Loveland High School. Then in June of 79, on 13 acres, ground was broken, time was given, and the building began to take shape. From the beginning, Good Shepherd Church was formed in large part by our heart for missions. Despite some of the challenges of those early years, and of course there were challenges, even in the midst of leadership changes, the Lord was clear that Good Shepherd was His church and it was here to stay. How are we doing, church? Good, come on. Hey, um, it's an awesome video. It shows you what this lot of land used to look like, and it is quite different, amen? Yeah, yeah. there have been a few houses that have been built. This was a cow pasture is what I'm told when they first put this church here. So um, if I haven't met you, my name's Austin, and um, uh, excited that you get to be gathered with us today. We are in this series that we've been calling Here Too. And as I mentioned last week, uh, the series is going to take a, a shift. It's going to pivot this week. And for the next three weeks, as we unpack this phrase, uh, Here to Stay. You heard Glenn say it in the video. He's our founding pastor. That was his voice, actually, uh, that we got to film that. Uh, but we want to be a church, that, and we want to make it known that we are here to stay. Uh, this church isn't going anywhere. This church is thriving. This church is alive. Uh, the gates of hell are not going to prevail. We are going to keep making a difference in the city that we're living in. We're going to keep ministering and opening the word of God together. We're going to keep growing together, and we're not going anywhere. Amen? Amen. I want to kind of unpack for you where this phrase came from. God put it on my heart really towards the beginning of this year. Um, what's been happening for really the last couple of years and, and even far beyond that with the trustee board um, is just considering kind of a lot of the tasks that we have in front of us uh, in, in regards to a, a building that is, that is paid for, praise the Lord, um, that is, that is, but also like not, not quite up to date, if you know what I mean, yeah. right? Um, so we've been looking at several different things. Really, we have a few uh, items that we keep looking at where we go, okay, um, really the building has some technological upgrades that, needs to, that need to happen. Um, I don't know if you remember the, the Grups announcement about two years ago where we lost a color green and so our O disappeared on the slide and so it just looked like Grups, G-R-U-P-S. Um, but that's, the projectors are, are not getting any younger. The speakers are not getting any younger. They're almost causing as many problems as they are uh, when they're actually functioning at this point. And so there's some technology needs in the place. Uh, there's also just always these looming building code issues. Uh, if anyone works for the city and city development, I would love to just talk to you to get in your good graces and maybe slip you a hundred dollar bill. At some, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not, talk <laughs> I'm not talking about bribing this morning. That's not what we're doing. But um, I just... There, there are issues that uh, this building does not have a fire sprinkler system, and it's going to need one of those if we were to ever change the footprint of this building. And, you know, Taylor's going to keep having Pop-Tarts on the third floor, and that toaster lives pretty close to the wall. So we're, we're going to be careful, right? So um, 
We need a fire sprinkler system at one point. We're going to need an elevator at some point. Really, at this point, we have no way for anyone with a disability to reach the second or third floor of our building. Some of y'all didn't even know we had a third floor of our building, but it goes all the way up there. And, and then there's always the, the looming issue of, uh, well, you know, the, the fact that this building was, is built backwards on our property. Has anyone noticed this before? I'm sorry for pointing this out. You're not gonna be able to unsee it at this point, but uh, you saw the picture in that, in that video where it's just this majestic straight on look at our church. And that's from over where the little garage is on the, on the Northwest or the Southwest corner of our lot. And you look back at it and you're like, that's amazing. But we're actually approaching it from the rear every time we drive into this place. It's backwards. We had somebody who left a sticky note on our door. This was like a few months ago. And it said, hey, just so you know, your building's backwards on your property. You should turn it around. <laughs> Oh, and praise the Lord. What a great idea. We hadn't thought of that, you know? <laughs> There's all these things, though, that have been going on. There's all these conversations that the trustees have been having of how to keep the building up to date. How we, can we make some of these advancements while staying within reason? I got to have you know that the trustees have done a magnificent job keeping this building up to date. And we're going to look at some of our financials and look at the position that they have put us in over years of work and years of planning. Uh, but what I want to do now is kind of tell you this here to stay phrase, this here to stay as we're talking about these issues, talking about updates that we want to make, I'm driving in my car one day and that phrase just lands on my heart. I don't know how else to really put it to you. If you're not very charismatic, if you're not, you didn't grow up in church, you just think a good idea came into my mind, but it was so much more than a good idea because there's just like not that much that's awesome all the time going on up here, you know? <laughs> and so I just get this all of a sudden, uh, I felt like the Lord really just dropped this phrase on my heart that no good shepherd's here to stay. And immediately I could see this kind of three-week series that we're going to be in for the next three weeks, uh, talking about finances, talking about generosity, and, and how ultimately what this is going to culminate towards is an offering that we are going to give uh, gladly, willingly, not under coercion at all, to have some of these buildings, um, building updates uh, come to pass. And so that's where we're going. I, I said it last week, if you could prioritize the month of September, um, I would greatly appreciate that, especially if you call Good Shepherd home. And if you could go out of your way to be at church on September 26th, the last Sunday of September, um, you need to be here if you're part of this family. You need to be here if you're part of the family. Um, it's, it's also just crazy. I probably saw like four new families when I was walking in today. And I'm like, wow, what a, what a message for you to arrive at today. Uh, your friend has not been inviting you to church because they wanted your money. <laughs> let, me just, let me just make that overtly clear. No one knew this was really coming. I've been hinting at things that we need to do for a while. But um, really, I, what I want to just say to you, if you're new, if you're, still, if you're still kind of settling and figuring out if this is your home church, I want to honor and bless that process. I think, I think somebody belonging to a local church is one of the most pivotal and, and life-giving decisions that you can make. And it's one that you need to make. You need to plant somewhere. And if it's not here, that's okay with me. You got to really hear that. It's, it's okay with me if you don't plant here. I would love to help you in the process of finding the church that you can commit yourself to though. Because when you commit yourself to a local church, I think when that, that is when the most growth is going to happen in your life. And so if you're still in the middle of that decision-making process, come and hang out. You're going you're gonna to learn a lot about how we handle finances here. Uh, you're going to learn a lot about how we approach the topic of money because it's everywhere in scripture. It's everywhere in scripture. And so it's important that we talk about it and we're not gonna shy away from it because it is all over the place in scripture. And so come and hang out. And I wanna say this, this message really is not for you. This message is for people who call Good Shepherd home. Now, if you sit here and, and you're stirred and you're compelled to, to give and to participate, praise God, do that. But, but please hear me. Um, you are not who I'm targeting right now. I'm wanting to talk to our church family primarily right now. As I was 
preparing this message, as I was kind of considering what the Lord would have for us, I was drawn to the book of Haggai. Um, So go ahead and grab your Bible and open up to Haggai. You know what? Scratch that. Open up to the table of contents. Find Haggai, because y'all don't know where it is. It's in the Old Testament. It's one of the, he's one of the minor prophets. If you reach Zephaniah and Zechariah, you're close. You're close. It's like right in between those two. It's this little two chapter book that is that is powerful. It's powerful. I, I wish almost we could spend a whole month just unpacking some of the principles that are found here in the book of Haggai. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to cover a large part of the book today. We're going to jump kind of in and out of some of the principles from the book today. Uh, but I'd love to dig into it with you. Let me give you some context before we read these passages. Uh, Haggai takes place at a time where Israel is finally, after 70 years of exile, returning to the promised land. So I'll just go with a quick overview of Israel's history here. You have Israel, who, is, who are God's chosen people. They're his. They, they belong to him. He loves them. He cares for them. He says, I see you, and I say, mine. Israel is my people. And they are, uh, when we pick up the story in Exodus, they're enslaved. They're enslaved and under fierce oppression in the nation of Egypt. God dramatically rescues them from Egypt, pulls them through the promised land. All sorts of crazy stories in here. Like, I'm going to go way too fast to do it justice. But God ultimately brings them into the promised land. This plant, this, this place that he's prepared for them, that he's giving to them, even though it's inhabited by all the Moabites and the Jebusites and the Mosquito Bites and all those other different people. <laughs> I'm glad some of you are with me, right? So there's all these people that live in the land, but God says, no, it, it belongs to you. And Israel, uh, because God is with them, because God has chosen them, they get to inherit the land that God has given to them. And they step in and, 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 and in a large part, Israel's story is our story. Because what you watch happen with Israel as they inhabit the promised land, as they, as they build this glorious temple, right? Uh, uh, David gathers all these supplies and Solomon, I mean, uh, he, he goes to get the cedars from Lebanon, right? And, and in today's lumber market, we know that's just like, that's, that's amazing right there. The people who are in supply chain management right now, you just know like, man, the fact that he was able to just like get all this stuff from around the world is miraculous in and of itself. But Solomon, Solomon builds this perfect temple. It's beautiful. But above all else, what happens there is, is the presence of God is dwelling with his people once again. The presence of God is with Israel. And, and if you could just kind of encapsulate Israel's story for the rest of the Old Testament from there, it's, it's Israel stays faithless. They fail over and over. They, they mess up at every turn. But God remains faithful. God remains faithful. So even though as he's punishing them for the mistakes they've made and he sends them out of the promised land, he then begins to restore them and bring them back. You can read about this in Jeremiah. You can read about this in, um, in, in well, I'm blanking on it right now. Who builds the wall? Who builds the wall? Nehemiah, thank you. I said it first service and then I just fell out of the brain. Like I said, not a lot of impressive stuff happening up here in live time. So um, as they leave and as, as they're sent back, Babylon, Babylon is ca- uh, conquered and they get sent back in. Uh, the king Cyrus gets to send them back into the promised land and they go. And you can read about this now in Ezra where they go, Nehemiah, they build the wall and they lay the foundation of the temple over the next two years. Some of Israel goes and they begin to prioritize right away. They're like, we're going to build the temple and they lay this amazing foundation. And then for 15 years, that foundation sits in ruin and it's not rebuilt. And that's where we pick up the story in Haggai. So in Haggai chapter one, verse two, it says, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Verse three says, then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. The Lord says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruin? 
Now, therefore, says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So what's happening here in Israel's story is, is God has, has he's provided a way for them to come back into the promised land and they have, they have made a priority over, uh, you know, they brought Chip and Joanna Gaines all up into their houses, right? They're blowing out walls everywhere and they're just shiplapping everything. They got these paneled houses looking amazing, but they've neglected the temple. And here's the, the weightier matter of what's going on. It's not just that they didn't do the building project they were supposed to do. The weightier matter of what they've done is they've neglected restoring the presence of God back to being with them. This is the problem. And so please hear me as, as we come to this. I, what I do not want to, I, want, I don't want to have you here is that I think we've neglected this house for so long and now it's the time to finally get obedient and to fix it. That is not Good Shepherd's story at all. I will, I will honor until I am dead, the past generation who has faithfully sown into this place. I think I was probably five years old when, when this plot of land that is now the park was sold and, and, this, and there was offerings taken, there was money that was given, there were sacrifices that was made by the older generation. And some of you were here and you paid this building off. And now when we hit like COVID and stuff like that, and we didn't have all these crazy bills that other churches had, and then we thrived coming out of COVID, we just did so well. Part of it's because of what happened in the last generation, that there's been this foundation that has been laid in this church. So please don't hear me saying that I think that the last generation has neglected something. I'm just saying that right now, what we can't choose to do is we can't choose to prioritize our own personal comfort, our own personal empire, our own personal, uh, whatever agenda we have going on over the mission that's going to be ahead of us. We just can't. Uh, regard, like, you take this church aside. You cannot do that in your life. What happens to God's people in Haggai is they're wrestling with all this sense of discontentment. You read about it in verse four, or I'm sorry, verse five. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. The Lord is saying to Israel that because you've prioritized your own personal agenda over me, you're, you're always going to be discontent. And let me just like that principle still rings true for us today. That if you, if you want to continue to prioritize the wealth that you can amass while you're here, the things that you can acquire while you're here, if you want to just continually pursue whatever it is that you want to pursue in your own life over what God's calling you to do, you are constantly going to wrestle with and fight discontentment. Because it's just wired into the very fabric of who we are as people. We're always lost in comparison of they have that and oh my gosh, he's driving what and oh, they live in what neighborhood and oh, they're making how much a year and we just continually rob ourselves of the joy of contentment that God's trying to give to us by endlessly comparing ourselves to one another. And it just rots us out from the bottom and what God is trying to say is he's saying, listen, it's time that you prioritize differently. That's what his message is to Haggai. Maybe that's his message to some of you today that you've just so gotten lost in prioritizing your own life, but now it's time that you would stop and just prioritize whatever it is that God's calling you into doing, uh, albeit money or something completely different, completely different. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, verse eight, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? because the house that lies in ruin, because the house that lies in ruin. And so as I'm, as I'm preparing this, as I'm studying Haggai, I really believe the Lord, what he shared with me, what he spoke with me and what the trustees have been and aiming at and planning around all this time is that uh, the foundation is set and it's time to build for our church. 
It, the foundation is set and it's time to build. And I want to be so clear. I'm not talking about building a new building. I'm not talking about going and starting other campuses off somewhere else. I'm just saying right now, what we're called to do is we're called to invest in this house. And some of these projects that we've had on our radar for so long and things that we tried to get done and tried to focus on, now is the time where we're just going to say, okay, Lord, what, did it, what is it that you want to do? Here it is. We're going to be obedient to you. So there's, there's several projects that God has put on our heart, uh, that God has really uh, prepared um, a way for us to kind of make some plans and put some designs around. And I want to show those with you, uh, show those to you right now. Um, the first project that we're going to prioritize is this room. It's this room. Um, we are going to get rid of, uh, I don't know if you ever noticed, but these light fixtures all up on this stage right here, they're never on. Most of them don't even have bulbs in them. They don't work. Okay. There's water damage right there. I see that pocket every Sunday morning. I look at it and I'm like, man, we should fix that. <laughs> There's a banister, a glass banister that goes around as we interview different sound companies. We got several bids from several different sound companies. Some were incredibly expensive. Like I, I was honestly like, that's impressive. That's flat impressive. Uh, we did not go with those companies. We also saw some were like, that's shockingly small. Like I'm more nervous almost to pay that much money on something that's that cheap because it just is, you know, you don't buy the house that's for 50 grand right now. You're like, there's, that's, it's over a sinkhole or something like that. Um, all the sound companies came in and they said, you know, acoustically, your room's actually pretty impressive, which I thought was amazing. I was like, it's a room of brick. <laughs> and they all come in, they do their very scientific sound test. And they're like, no, it's actually pretty good in here. I'm like, wow, praise the Lord. Um, but they said, one of the things that's killing you, all of them said this, that glass banister up there is killing you because glass is the most reflective surface there is for sound. And as the sound comes out of the speakers and hits that, it reflects back down to some of you all in these middle rows. And you're hearing it from the speaker on one end and from behind you, like milliseconds later, and it's just creating uh, pain, <laughs> a little bit of pain in your ears. So we're going to change up that banister. We're going to bring some of the steel that we had done in the family. We're going to bring it into this room. We're going to bring this room up to life. The reason that number is so high is because we are going to do a, a, a start to finish overhaul of our sound system. Um, the whole thing just needs to be stripped. It has been, it's been done in different eras. These speakers are coming up on 20 years old. And so it's just time. They don't function right all the time. We have issues that we don't even know where they originate. And so this sound company is going to come in and redo the whole thing, redo some of the electrical infrastructure that's in this room. We're going to change all the light fixtures, all the fans. We're going to bring, uh, just put a modern breath into this room. The, th the other thing that drives that price up is we are going to get air conditioning, y'all. Come on, somebody. You can kind of see the ductwork along these main glue lamps. It's going to come out of this, uh, this main hub thing right here. We call it the mothership affectionately, and it's going to run right along there. And um, yeah, so that's the main work that's going to get done. Um, and and we're going to prioritize this room first uh, because this is where we spend most of our time. This is when new people come to our church uh, and it's 85 degrees on a Sunday morning in July. Uh, they, they sit here in this room. And so we're going to prioritize this room first. This is, where, this is where most of our ministry happens. This is where we are gathered every single week at, weekend and where we gather uh, midweek often. And so we're going to prioritize this room first. Uh, the second project that we have that's slated is the kids' classrooms. Uh, there are kids' classrooms along this hall and along this hall, if you didn't know. Um, and we are going to start by um, redoing these ones right here. Here's what I'll say about these. There's four kids' classrooms down this hall. Um, if you checked your kids in, let's just have an honest moment here for a sec. They smell a certain way, don't they? <laughs> My lion? No. It, it, it smells a certain way in there. And that, like, that's not the most inviting thing for first-time visitors, like visitors checking in your brand-new precious little baby, and you're like, this room smells awful. Do you change diapers in this? You know, like what happens in this room? 
So we're going to do all the carpet, repaint all the walls, uh, demo the drop ceiling, which I'll come back to in just a sec, and put some like cloud acoustic features with lights up in the ceiling. Um, the drop ceiling, uh, there are building code issues where the way our drop ceiling is arranged right now, um, if there is a, any given, if there's a given space, I think it's like somewhere around a foot that exists between the drop ceiling and the actual ceiling, um, when you go to install a fire sprinkler system, you can't actually just do one, you have to do two. You have to do one above the drop ceiling and one then in the drop ceiling to hit the water down below. And so what we're going to be thoughtful with doing as we redo some of these projects, as we prioritize some of these spaces, we're going to make sure to eliminate that as much as possible so that when the time comes that we're going to put in a fire sprinkler system, we're only doing it once and not twice. Does that make sense? So you're going to see a lot of drop ceiling removed in these renderings and there's, there's a specific reason why. It's because it's going to be more efficient down the road. So uh, our hope is to do two classrooms at this time. So turn those four classrooms into two bigger classrooms because uh, I don't know if you checked your kid in preschool recently, but those rooms are busting at the seams. And it's awesome. And uh, man, praise God for those little preschool workers. We love them. The next project that we're going to look at this is maybe the most difficult one to uh, kind of conceptualize in your brain. But if you were to take two steps right out of these main doors right here, and you were to take out those four ceiling tiles that are above you, uh, you would see the bottom set of those stairs. It's just there. It's space that's already there. There's, there's a data room on one side. There's a security closet that's mostly unused, could be moved into un one of the 50 other closets in this room, very easy, or in this church. Uh, we're going to move those, get those out of there, and that is going to open all the way up to kind of be a main focal point hallway. You're going to be able to see right into the balcony. You're going to see right onto the second floor. There's a banister up there, a steel banister above those beams. Uh, those beams are already in the ceiling. We're going to put this same uh, tongue and groove that's on the ceiling on that ceiling so that it just architecturally looks like the same space the same space. And that's going to, uh, the reason why that number is actually so expensive is because what we're budgeting for as well is to redo all of the drop ceiling around the main hallways, all the drop ceiling and all of the light fixtures of uh, the drop ceiling. Go, go look at it. And it won't take you long to find a couple of those tiles that are water damaged. Um, they just, they're old. The light fixtures themselves are old. We're going to get led ones. We're going to, again, just bring it. Our goal is not to, to make the most tricked out building. Our goal is simply just to put something into modern space. Amen? Amen. The next one that we're going to do is the youth room. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if you all know this room exists, but if you go through those sliding doors in the balcony, there's other stairs you can get up there too, but our youth room is up there. Um, we're going to go all Chip and Joanna up there, blow some walls out, make it more of an open concept up there. Again, the whole thing is drop ceiling. And so we're going to demo the drop ceiling, put in drywall, new lights, um, and freshen up that room. That room has not been remodeled in years, in years and years and years. And so we're going to freshen up that room and prioritize our students because we love you guys. Um, those are the main four projects. Uh, so then the question I think goes to, okay, so how? What are we going to do? What are you asking me to do? Um, I'm simply just asking that you would pray and that you would consider how the Lord would have you respond to this ask uh, on September 26th. And, and listen to me, that number is going to look different for everybody. Some, some people in this room, you're going you're to do everything that you can. You might sell some stuff. You might uh, drop some things from your weekly buying habits. You might work extra time just so that you can give a few hundred bucks. Others of you, you you're going you're gonna to say a few hundred bucks is like, it doesn't even phase me. There's, there's a couple more zeros before, before I start getting phased. So, so we can't just make this about who's going to give what. I'm not asking for any specific number. I'm just asking for you to seek the Lord, 
for you and your family to, to gather together. I think if you have kids, elementary age, age kids, middle schoolers, high schoolers, I think this would be an amazing thing for you, thing for you to do with them to sit down and go, okay, hey, listen, uh, we're going to pray and we're going to seek the Lord and we're going to see and consider if he would have us invest in what's happening at Good Shepherd Church because, because that church has a plan not to just do stuff to this generation right now, but we're going to continue ministering. We're going to continue sowing generosity in this building for the next generation to come. Listen, Katie and I, I'm going to be the first one. We are going to be the first ones to put a check in that box back there. The first ones. I'm not going to ask you to do something that we're not going to participate in ourselves. This isn't just the church that I pastor. It's the church that we live in. Like we're here. We're raising our kids here. We are here all the time. I want, I want to do something so that my kids have a church they can inherit and be proud of one day. Amen? And that's, that's the vision that the trustees have had, that we just want to go, no, listen, the last generation set us up for something in this current day that we're living in so that we would be able to reap fruit in which we did not sow. And so what I want to do with that generosity that's been given to me, I don't want to hoard it for myself. I want to take that and I want to bury it back in the ground and I want to see God return it a hundredfold one day. So we're going to take what's been given to us and we're going to continue to sow it forward. Amen? And so this is, listen, again, some of you are new. I'm, I'm, just, it's, I'm seeing all these new faces that I don't even know. Man, praise God that you're here. <laughs> this is not, I'm, I'm not saying this is for you. Hang out, hang out over the next few weeks, learn how we approach money, um, but I'm not expecting anything at the end of this month. What I'm asking simply is that we would, uh, now that this kind of task is before us, now that you know what your church is gonna be doing, I'm asking that you would just go, okay, Lord, what, it is, what is it that you want me to do? How is it that you want me to respond? Um, I wanna give you a quick look at our financial situation because I think that's important as you consider um, giving to this place. Um, we wanna be totally transparent uh, how we handle money. So here is what our 2021 budget looks like. Uh, 56% of our overall budget, our overall budget is right at a million dollars, just a hair over a million dollars. 56% goes to salaries, uh, salaries, benefits, taxes, everything like that for our six full-time leadership team members. That is John, myself, uh, Robin, Stephanie Hewitson, Caden Bush, and Taylor Mickelson. That's our leadership team here. Uh, then we have six uh, part-time people that go all the way from like Garrick is 10 hours a week, all the way up to Deanna in the main office who works 27 hours a week. So we have six part-time people. We also have one full-time building rep and it's Tim Wadham and he is the man. Yeah. Amen. Dude keeps this place looking spick and span. He does all sorts of handyman projects all the time. He's always improving this place. And so that is where that, is where that goes. That 56% goes. 5% of it goes to ministry-related expenses. It buys the kids Pop-Tarts and pizza up on the third floor. It, it handles all the supplies that it takes for our uh, elementary and preschool ministry. It provides uh, coffee and lunch accounts so that we as pastors can take you all out sometimes so that we can sit down with you so that we can pray for you and get to know you and get to know your family. That's an important value for us. And so that covers worship, children's, students, all the different little ministry-related expenses take up 5% of our budget. 14% goes right out the door. Goes right out the door. This goes uh, mostly to global outreach, which will never get under 10% here. We're always gonna at least be a church who tithes, but right now we're, gracious, we're thankful that we can be a church that does more than tithe. We give to organizations like Life for the Innocent that rescue kids out of uh, sex trafficking all over the world in Southeast Asia. We give to um, Haiti. We support Haiti and we're empowering pastors down in Haiti. Uh, we have several different missionaries and you'll learn about them if you hang out where we just give this money to. We also give it locally to organizations like House of Neighborly Services, to Laga Vista up the road. We do all these different things so that we can support both our community and our world. And we want to be a church who doesn't just like talk about generosity, but we want to be a church who's also generous. 
So praise God, the reason we're doing it the way we're doing it is because we want to maintain that number. We don't want that number to dip at all in this process. The last little bit there is 25% is our operating expenses. Uh, that pays for all of our software licensing, all of the different uh, computers and, and things that we need to just do ministry here, keep the lights on, everything like that. It takes up about 25% of our budget. And this year, what we strategically did, knowing something like this was coming, was we set aside 8% of our overall budget, about 78K, just for building improvements. And what that did is it got us the money um, to hire an architect to actually draw up drawings so it wasn't just me with a crayon on a napkin somewhere. We actually hired Asher Architecture. Um, I see Sam Rogers is sitting right here. Uh, these guys have been incredibly generous with their time. I don't see David Stranathan. He's a bald guy, awesome, sweet red beard. Uh, give him a hug sometime because he's the man. Both of you guys are awesome um, and you married out of your league. And so Hannah and Alyssa, we're also incredibly grateful for. You guys are gems to our church family for sure. But we, we seeded some of this money knowing that we were going to have some of these updates coming. And so we, we put some money down. We still have about $55,000 left in that budget for the year. And so uh, a little bit of our more financial breakdown here. Um, our 2020, 2021 budget, like I said, is about $1.06 million, $1 million in faith. It'll be $1.6 million um, someday. Uh, but projected 2021 income is $1.2 million. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are, we are cash positive every month. Um, that is partly because we are growing and, and part of how we get to that next spot, the cash position of 865K that we just have in cash is because we consistently try to, it hasn't worked perfectly in every year because we've had some years where we were uh, a little lean and giving was going down. But what we always try to do, and you learn about this in Next Steps, is we try and budget 90% of whatever came in that year. We make our budget 90% of that number for the next year. So we're always kind of uh, saving some money, setting some money aside for either the parking lot, the roof, all these other things that just aren't getting any younger, right. right? And so what the trustees have decided is that what we would like to do is we'd like to maintain about six months of emergency savings as a church, about 70 to 80K as a church set aside a month is about 400 to $450,000 that we wanna have as really just no different than you would do in your household. Hopefully you would have six months of uh, emergency savings set aside in case something were to happen. But we want to set six months aside and anything over and above that, we feel like it's not our role to just kind of sit there and, and hoard all this money with this kind of doomsday perspective. Like, well, at least we you know when the, it all goes up in flames, we'll have a ton of cash we're sitting on. You know, that'd be awesome. That's not the role. Our role is not to try and like hoard money as it comes in, but to steward it and to leverage it well. And so praise God, they have saved up money for some of these projects and they are setting aside 400K to, to get started on these projects. So next slide, we'll show you. Um, a little bit of the building projects, it all totals there um, with a couple little miscellaneous projects like a roof issue we're having and a kitchen that we're going to reduce some flooring in. Um, that all comes out to about 1.5 million bucks. 1.5 million bucks. And you can kind of do the math there as far as how far we need to go if we're going to do this. But again, I'm even hesitant to say how far we need to go because I, I'll just be straight with you. I keep vacillating as I talk to staff and as I talk to friends, I go, oh, we're probably going to get about 200K. I bet that's what comes in on that, on that uh, just generosity Sunday. We get, we get 200K. And then, I, and then I flip gears to like, no, we're probably gonna get like 4 million. <laughs> and I've, I've got no in-between gear really right now. I'm just kind of like one or the other. And so here's what I'll say. We're gonna get whatever the Lord wants to release to us. I, I just have this, this just like resolved piece in my heart that if God wants to give 4 million, he's gonna give 4 million. And we're gonna get to work on some of the other projects that we wanna do eventually. Um, but if God releases 200K, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna praise the Lord. We're going to thank God. 
because we're going to get started and we're just going to continually, hopefully operate in this cash positive way where we can knock out projects over time. Uh, but, but man, this is how we want to do it. This is how we want to do it. These are the things that God has put on our heart for now. Uh, maybe someday we'll expand our building. Maybe someday we'll do some different things and, and add on to the zone over here. We've got a whole East lot that's just unoccupied right now. Um, it's occupied by like an army of grasshoppers right now. But one day, maybe there'll be a building there. Maybe there'll be something there. I don't know. Right now, I know this is what uh, God has put on our hearts to accomplish. And so I'm just asking if you'd pray over participating. Um, what I want to do is, is give you all just a couple minutes right here to just uh, pray with the person that you came with, with your spouse, if you came with your spouse or uh, with some friends, if you came with some friends and just really just, uh, here's what I love. Here's what I'm, here's how Katie and I are going to pray. Lord, how would you lead us to give? How would you lead us to give? God, are there any parts of my heart where I've prioritized uh, my own comfort? Are there any parts of my life where I've prioritized and I've maybe overindulged myself in, in the treasures of this world? And God, how would you have me invest in the kingdom of God right now? How? And, and I just want to leave maybe two minutes right now for you just to do that on your own, with your spouse, with your friend, with your, with your kids, if you have them with you, and just spend about two minutes praying. And then we'll circle back for just a couple more uh, principles out of Haggai. Go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to have our, have our faith strengthened, Lord. God, I pray as we seek you that we would, uh, that really you would lead us into deeper waters here. God, would you, would you stretch us where we need stretched? Would you show us what we need to do, Lord? I pray that um, you'll be faithful to, to answer our prayers if we're, we're diligently seeking to hear from you. I believe you'll speak to us. And so I pray, God, that we wouldn't give out a compulsion, that we wouldn't give out a comparison, we wouldn't give to impress you or impress anybody else in this room, but God, would we just really give out of obedience to you, out of faithfulness to you? Would we just trust you with whatever it is that you lay on our hearts? And, and even for those who, who maybe they're, they're considering things just beyond money right now, but God, I pray that we would just be a people who trust you. Maybe we've gotten off base in our marriage as Katie was praying earlier. And God, I pray that we would just trust you, that you're not just gonna immediately uh, fix things and take our problems away, Actually, often I think in the New Testament, what we see is that it's going to get a lot more uncomfortable before we are ultimately with you and it gets perfect. And so God, I pray that you give us a perseverance and an endurance to trust you in the midst of the valleys. Jesus, we love you and we know that you're going to do exactly what it is that we want to do. Thank you that this is your church. God, I pray that you would continue to minister to people and, and meet with people and, and build up families and, and do exactly what it is that you want to do in these, in these seats every weekend that we gather. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I went about five minutes over first service. I'm going to go just a few minutes over in this service as well, but you can't leave now because the doors are closing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're not. Um,
Don't panic. I, there's a few other principles out of Haggai um, that I think are really pertinent for us. And, and the first, I'm not going to read through them all. I'd encourage you to, to go back and read through Haggai on your own this next couple weeks. But, but the first one is that uh, as, as Israel responds, again, Haggai is one of the rare prophets where the word of the Lord is given and everybody responds to him. Everyone just does what he says to do. And, and what God promises is not to not to give them stuff, not to like restore all their riches or he doesn't promise immediately to restore and make their harvest perfect. But what he says is he says, I will be with you. I'll be with you. And that's my encouragement to you guys is that as we consider this is that God's going to be with you. God, I, I, I really do ask that you would not uh, feel led out of anything other than just Holy Spirit conviction over what you're supposed to do. There's nothing that I want to compel, like just try and uh, coerce you into doing. Uh, that is not what we're about. I just want you to go, okay, Lord, um, what do you want from us? And how are we to respond? The other principle that we see is that um, as soon as they start, um, the young people are really excited. They're, they're like, yes, we're doing it. We're building the temple. It's amazing. And, and the old people are, are crying. And you can read more about this in Ezra chapter three, where uh, there's, there's all this noise at one moment when they start working on the temple and you can't even tell what it is. Is it people crying or is it people rejoicing? And the point here is that the older generation had seen Solomon's temple and they were comparing Solomon's temple to the current one. And so they were lamenting what they were seeing. And the younger generation was just excited because the presence of God was going to be restored. And he says, be strong, work, I am with you. Be strong, work, I am with you. And I just want to encourage you that like, we're not going to get lost in comparison. We are, we are not in this uh, competitiveness with other churches. Like we're not trying to have the most tricked out sanctuary in, in the city. That's not what we're after. Um, we're, just, we're just trying to be responsible with who we are. And if you maybe have this thought of like, man, I just really wish they do like LED screens. Uh, we looked at LED screens. They're too expensive for us right now. They're outside of what we feel like is reasonable for our size congregation. We're not going to put an LED screen here, even though some churches have them. And I think they're awesome. I don't think there's anything wrong with churches having LED screens. I think it's great. But that's just an example of like, man, we're not going to do this out of uh, competitiveness or comparison with other people. We're going to do what we feel like God is calling us to do. The last principle, and this is how we'll kind of uh, move the morning to communion, because we're going we're gonna to take communion and receive communion this morning. But um, there's this weird thing in, in chapter two where God's starting to ask the priest. He's saying, hey, um, when something's clean, if it comes into contact with an unclean thing, does that make it unclean? They're like, yeah. It like defiles it. Like uh, Chuck Swindoll quote would be, um, if you take a white glove and reach it into mud, the mud doesn't get glovier. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, like what ha he's, he's kind of asking them, he's like, okay, so but if you take an unclean thing and it comes into contact with a clean thing, does that make it clean? And they say, no, no. Like you cannot, you cannot pass holiness that way. And so here's what I, I want to encourage you with. It's kind of this cryptic message at the end of Haggai. Here's what I think it means for us today. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's, um, earn God's blessing for you, to earn God's love for you. Uh, there's no amount of money that you can give so that you can really just like impress him and he'll love you more. There's nothing that we can do over these next several weeks where you can go, well, okay, God, I really want to put you um, in, in my debt. And I want to do these things for you because I'm, look at how holy I am. I've been coming to church all of September. What up? <laughs> Giving all this money. Look at me now, you know, and I'm reading my Bible all the time. Look at me now. Uh, you can't put God in your debt. He doesn't owe us anything. What God has provided for us above all else is a way to be with him. And that way came only through Jesus. If you're not a Christian in the room today, um, you probably go, man, okay, all this church cares about is money or whatever it is that you're thinking. Here's what I want you to know. Uh, this church is gonna generously give in three weeks and it's gonna blow all of our minds. We're gonna go, oh my gosh, God is so faithful. God is awesome. And, and 
What I want you to know is that as people give, as people give gladly, not under coercion or anything like that, they're just gonna give out of this, out of this thing that we would call worship. Because we recognize as we approach the table, especially that Jesus has poured out everything for us. He gave his life so that he could, so that he could have a relationship with me. And the only thing that I really can offer God is, is a heart of repentance. Say, God, I, I haven't trusted you at times. I've invested in my own life and my own wealth and my own resources and my own priorities at different times. And I've neglected you. That's true for me. That's true for all of us in this room. But as we come to the communion table, what we're reminded of is that Jesus paid the ultimate price so that no matter what we did, we could be in relationship with him. And if you're not a Christian in the room today, I just wanna, I wanna invite you to just consider um, you're not here so that you can just watch a, a service happen or watch a building get remade. You're here because God wants a relationship with you. And, and I would love to talk to you about that. If you've never made that decision before, there's gonna be a prayer team up front. They would love to lead you in some prayer after service. But for now, for those of us who understand that Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe, we're gonna take communion and we're gonna rejoice and we're gonna give thanks and we're gonna remember what Jesus has done for us. Amen, church. Just wanna encourage you, church, church family, you would just pray over these next few weeks and consider we're going to take that offering on September 26th and whatever comes in that day is all going towards the building. None of it's going to go towards anyone's salary. Nobody's getting a new car. Uh, we're not buying more pizza for this high school students, as even no matter how much they ask us. So be diligent to pray though, to seek the Lord. We want to know what he wants us to do. Um, Lord, thank you that you've so, ge so generously poured out for us. God, I pray that we would just live lives that are marked by commitment to you and that that commitment would show up in all sorts of areas, in our time, in our finances, in the way that we approach your word, in the way that we pray. God, I pray that that commitment, that wholehearted devotion to you would just really grow in this next season. And maybe our faith would deepen and quicken a bit in our hearts and we'd follow all the more uh, headlong after you. Jesus, you're all we need. You're all we want. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. It's in your name we pray. Amen.